Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Here we go. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. He is the best. Yeah. Nothing to prove. Yeah. We get the honor. Yeah. We're talking to Hawks. My name is Fonte. Yeah. Back on the block. Yeah. With my man Reek G's. Yeah. Yafit Koto Ock. My name is Sugar. Yeah. I shall proceed. Yeah. To eat your shrooms yeah. and smoke your weed. I'm unpaid bill. Yeah. I'm not better than you. Yeah. But thanks to Fonte, yeah. I'm a better rapper than you. And my favorite MC. Yeah. Who else? Yeah. Girl, motherfucking Reggie's. I'm roll call. It's Reggie's. Yeah. I give all y'all that. Yeah. But y'all gonna have to chill. Yeah. I know I was gonna have to rap.
you know, like Rough. Sadat X will yes. stop a bar, like, like he will stop yes, at bar fourteen for the man, and he'll wait like twelve bars before he finishes. That's for the Sadat X. I did, I did, because I realized it's every G, it's every G's like too many times, and there's a really long pause. Man, fuck that! I'm celebrating because this shit took forever. Yeah, I, I, I can get used to this. This is another in person, yeah, classic. Dust, dusting off the One of theme. the most anticipated episodes of all Questlove Supreme time. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Stop playing. The amount of times that Laia has been in the group chat oh saying, Oh my fucking God. When is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? I don't know. For me, if you're old enough to know the reference, this will feel like the anytime that Eddie Murphy comes on the Arsenio, Arsenio. Hall show. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like, how do you all act professional with someone that you've known for four decades of all your <laughs> life? Like, you know, um, this is another episode of Quest Love Supreme, ladies and gentlemen. Quest Love in wait, where the hell are we? <laughs> like, did we go back in time? It's like That's old time we're threshold recording studio. Yes, I yeah. feel like I'm in 1936 and also <laughs> 1996. Yo, it's also too. Today is the I guess the. 13th or 12th anniversary of uh, Undone. Undone dropped today, December 6th. Wow. Okay. Wow, that's awesome, y'all. man. 12th, uh, that's 12th right. year 12, right? I yeah. think it's 12. Yeah, 2011, okay. yeah. I'm getting numb to Roots album anniversaries. I know, right? Just be like, yeah. I got so many of them. <laughs> I know, man. What a beautiful privilege. That's beautiful. All right, so, yeah, uh, uh, Sugar Steve, how's life? Good. That's night, Bill. You made it. What's up? Dude, I'm happy to be here. Boy, you gave me like a half a second <laughs> to say, how's life? How's life? <laughs> how's life? <laughs> Great. Great. I'm Pay Bill. What's going on? Great. Everything's good. I'm happy to be here. I thought I wasn't going to be here. The weather sort of fucked me, and here I am. I'm okay. That's awesome. Uh, Fontigolo. That's awesome. This is the first time we're talking to you after seeing the documentary, man. Yeah. How, how's the response yeah. been? How works? Um, it's been amazing, man. Kind of overwhelming. Um, but uh, nah, man. It's yeah. It's, it's being received exactly how we want it to be received. Uh, awesome. We made it with a lot of love, and we getting a lot of love back. So. Check it out, little it's brother. Dope. Go check it out. Yeah. All right. And what's the next move after the documentary? Um, I don't know. I mean, I just we literally so we finished this. We finished the doc November seventh. We had our first screen in November 9th, and then we released it November twenty fourth. Mm. So I ain't trying to do shit <laughs> for a little bit. Goals. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just sitting. I'm Goals. sitting for a yeah, yeah. Y'all two yeah, don't know yeah, about yeah. that life, not doing shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I ain't tired. about that, not doing shit. Like, like, hey, hey, I hear you. Man, you, right no, back you. to right back to the lab. <laughs> well, I mean, I will say that you know it was real good to see because it was also just like unprecedented territory because not since maybe Metallica's some kind of monster have I seen a documentary of a group really do self-analytical mm. work. Because normally it's just like cut in place. And then 19th and we did this, and then, and then rap happened. Yeah. You know, that sort of undone, uh, unsung method. Exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it was good to watch. And actually, uh, our guest today and myself are at the very beginning of our process. Yeah, of- so we finna bite. Yeah. Jack that whole concept. That's what you do with the <laughs> I got a lot of work really, to do. really break our shit. Like, yo, man, how come we, you know what I mean? Like, yo, down to the to the very last compound and shit. You know what I'm saying? That's what you do with the youth though, y'all. Y'all yeah. let the youth put themselves out there and then we we, you know. No, that's we true. Learn from true, the that. Youth. true that. Thank you, Fonte. How's it going? I'm good. I am so happy that we finally got this done. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we have literally one of the best wordsmiths that ever entered the realm of hip hop, which sort of sounds like an empty intro, but it's it's actually literally <laughs> true. 
what actually makes this even more uh, special apropos that we're here um, kind of to celebrate a new chapter in your life, which is kind of you opening up to the world because you've been very mysterious yeah, to yeah. the entire world. And yes, this is awkward as fuck giving a, a Don Cornelius <laughs> introduction. No, but I, I absolutely make no buns. Uh, buns. You don't make buns? No, I don't. <laughs> How about no, biscuits? I, no, I, I absolutely make no bones about our guest today being not only just one of the greatest people of all time, but you know, it's like, I don't know how to refer to Tariq because he's literally probably been the most consistent figure in my life period. Like I've seen him on a regular basis for the last 37 years of my life. Like I haven't done that with my mother, my father, my sister, any girlfriend, like it's kind of my work spouse. <laughs> Which I don't even have shame in that, man. This is this is yeah. this is a commitment. Um, the greatest of all time, Tariq Black Thought Trotter is on Quest Love Supreme. Yeah. Thanks, Clap for him. Thank you, thank you, yes, sir. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> God, God is oh great. God! Yes. <laughs> 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 See, the Arsenio Eddie thing started yeah. already. Before every, before any fast. LL moment, there's always, you hear in the background, God is great. God is great. <laughs> yeah, initially my plan was like to lay back and let the four of you go at it to ask whatever, but even I have questions. I'm mid-read of the book right now, but Laia, since you are bursting at the seams, start. Okay, well, let's just start with this, the fact that this is one of the most anticipated projects, at least in our circle of people, We've been waiting to hear your story for probably the last couple decades. So I want to know yeah. why now and why the way that you decided to do it. And how you and not the, not why the way you decided to do it, but how you decided to do it. Um, you know, I think the 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 why now of it all is um it I kind of feel like now or never. You know what I mean? Like there's a certain urgency that is very tangible that, you know, is to I don't know. I feel like there is um like it's time to do all all the things, right? We have to, you know, sort of do it or 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 not. You know what I'm saying? So for me it was it was now or never. It was, you know, if not now then when. It was, you know, why not now and you know all the different ways that I could, you know, self-sabotage in my mind and worst case scenario without um I was able to resolve, you know, and um and yeah, it just felt like uh you know the the best move um, both, uh, you know, for me, for my sanity, for my mental peace, and, you know, just to give people who have been longtime supporters of The Roots something new to latch on to and, you know, something to identify with and, you know, something that they're able to, you know, see representation of themselves in um, to some extent, hopefully. Um, yeah, it just felt uh, very necessary. So. Um, and yeah. real quick, what's this process? Because I told Fonte this morning, we've been talking about your book a lot. And between May the Lord Watch, his documentary, and The Upcycle Self, they're very special because we are seeing not just our two of our favorite artists, two of our favorite MCs, but we are seeing two black men of certain ages reveal themselves in ways that we may not be used to seeing film-wise and on paper. So when talking to Fonte and knowing that he started his process years ago because the onion has to be peeled 
how does that work for you as far as, yeah, I'm going to do this book, I'm going to bring this, but I know you had to go through the, okay, do I want to talk about this? Or how do I want to talk about that? And I ain't going to do that, but somebody had to go to you. No, you have to do that. You have to say these things. How yeah. do you do that part? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this isn't my first attempt at a memoir. You know what I'm saying? So I, I feel like maybe, I feel like this is the third time. So third time's a charm. You know what I'm saying? I partnered up with um, a couple different people, you know, uh, collaborators in the past and, you know, great minds. And we've got, you know, hours of hours of uh, of interview, uh, uh, you know, audio and, and, and video stuff. And we took, you know, lots of notes and sort of did all of the, all of the, you know, like the groundwork. Um, but yeah, I wasn't able to, to, to get through the process in either of those um, instances. And I think in this dynamic, like between me and Jasmine Martin, Jasmine is from Philadelphia, you know what I'm saying? Um, as am I, we worked together on so many different things over the past you know, five or six years or so. We had just di uh, did a comparable sort of project for Audible during quarantine um, in seven years. So um, like the, the bones were there. So it was just about, uh, you know, how are we gonna approach it? And uh, we wrote this book the way that we would record an album or work on a screenplay or do anything for musical theater. It was sort of, you know, from the inside out, you know what I'm saying, on some Quentin Tarantino shit. I think that that's the beauty of, uh, you know, just being, it being my first time you know what I mean? Doing the thing. There's a there's a blitz. They you know they don't say ignorance is bliss for nothing, right? So there's something in the just the abandon of not knowing better, not knowing the right way to do a thing. So you just do it, you know, like the artistic or you know most efficient or creative way. Um, and that's what I'm experiencing right now. How many years was this book in the making? Um, it took about a year and a half, two years. Okay. Yeah. And the first two attempts that you made at doing the kind of this uh, biography. What made those, I guess, the wrong attempts? Like, what what didn't work about those? I think it was um, just the like I was sort of relinquishing my my story. You know what I mean? Um, and in both of those uh, situations, it was almost as if I was along for the ride because these were two far more ex uh, experienced authors, uh, and you know what I mean. People that I had, you know, I still have a great deal of respect for, but they just aren't familiar. Like you know, they no one could tell your story the way you can tell it. You know, um, but I wasn't, you know, ready for whatever reason to to tell it myself. So I figured by, you know, just association, um, I, I would receive, you know, the same sort of validation as if I, you know, if I just, you know, jumped jumped out there on my own, and that wasn't the case. And uh, yeah, I just it, it wasn't ready. You know, what I mean, things happen when they when as they should. You know, and I don't think either of those, uh, you know, like respectfully, it just wasn't, you know, like the right situation or time. You know what I'm saying? I get it. When in writing this book, did you have to have conversations? We had Will on the show, and he was talking about how, you know, he had had conversations with family and people like, "Yo, this is coming." Did you have to have those talks with your people, and how did they go? Mm -hmm. I had I had some of those talks with you know people whose opinion, you know, what I mean, who I it, it mattered to me how they feel. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and yeah, you know, like there was lots that we had to omit. You know, what I mean, like my uncle who is. Uh, my father's brother, my oldest, wow. yeah, surviving relative. He, um, you know, he likes to talk, and he has no filter. You know what I'm saying? Once <laughs> you get in your 80s, it's like, yo. So there was, yeah, there was very much that had to be omitted, and you know, some names had to be changed. But then there was a bunch of names that were left in there, and those were the people. You know, I had to holler at like my auntie and them. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yo, like you go be good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, 
and you and then you know some homies like there were a couple people who I grew up with who um just some minor inconsistencies like there was one thing that I saw like in the book it says that these two kids that were my boys started this organization of writers called TET and they didn't start TET they weren't even they weren't they ain't even right you know what I'm saying ah. now when I was doing the audio book I caught it because I did my own audio book so I caught it and I corrected it but you know I wasn't gonna have to you got to come out the pocket if it's like, oh, yeah, there's one more thing I want to change. So yeah, yeah. it's like, yo, it just has to stay in there. But I hit them up like, yo, you know, you read the book, it's going to say X, Y, and Z. I mean, not really, you know, uh, to make sure it was good with the dudes who were accredited at starting the, the group, but to make sure it was good with the dudes who were in it. In you know what I'm saying? Hold up, These things, they had nothing to do with TET. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. But every, everybody's all good. And uh, folks that I grew up with, like people from my block, like, like who, uh, you know, were in the – in those uh, scenarios, in those um, uh, moments in time that 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 are, I reconjure in the book, have read it and told me that it was a great read and that it was you know the transportive in, in in the way that we intended it to be. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew 
just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. In the book, you talk about specifically a fight you and Amir had in London. Yeah. And how that changed the course of you guys' relationship in yeah. some way. How do you think it changed y'all? How did it change y'all's dynamic um well you know i think uh if if you if you have a, a close friend you and a close friend get in you like come to you know a fisticuffs like you, you you're coming to blows um something is forever changed right um if it's between two people who are used to fighting all the time then you know it's you know, sometimes it's far little like with that change is you know what i mean it's less significant than if that's somebody's only fight like i'm going through my <laughs> mind i can't remember how many fights i've been in i don't been stomped out you know what i mean i win some lose some yeah, bunch yeah. of fights and shit. you know what I'm if that's like your only fight if you had like one two three altercations then um yeah i would think it would be uh just more impactful so that's just how i understood it you know what i mean i think for me it was something that um like later that day I moved on, like, you know what I'm saying? Definitely, uh, again, like, there, something had been changed, but I, it, was, it was such a, a, a insignificant change for me. But, um, yeah, I just feel like in Amir's, um, you know, world, there was something that, uh, you know, there was a line that had been crossed that, you know what I'm saying, we could never sort of un- Cross, you know, and I feel and, like I'm at my own funeral. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, nah, yeah. So well, jabbing or like nah, a, it was a, a, a quick fist, couple fists, but more wrestling. It was uh, like wrestling. Okay, it was it, <laughs> like was it, it like a chokehold. But really, it was it was, it was, it was <laughs> WrestleMania <laughs> in that joint. Did you get a few enemy or did you get a few? I think I just sat on top of him. I was like 290 pounds, like. I no, mean, no, I, I never I mean, fought. Corrected the situation. So the, no, but the the thing is, like, when you're my size, like, people just rightfully think, like, oh, I'm never fucking with him. So I never had a fight in my life. You've never been tested. Wow. That was the only fight I've ever had in my life. Tariq so, you know, it was kind of weird. Do y'all understand that for the majority of the public? They don't really get to see, like, you know, Tariq, you writing a whole chapter about Amir and how you guys met and how y'all connected. In real life, people watch y'all and they watch you on the stage, they watch him from the drums, but they really don't see y'all ever connect. And I gotta say, as a fan, and I feel like family, friends, not so much, but I remember, I said to Fonte this morning, I said, I remember the one time and the first time that I saw y'all like embrace. Right. I remember how it felt to see it. I remember where I was. I was at the Black Lily at the five spot. I felt emotional because it was just something that I hadn't seen. Why was we embracing at the five spot? I don't, yeah. Y'all was talking. Y'all was having a private conversation at the bar. Y'all was having a private uh, yeah. conversation at the bar, and it wasn't like a oh, let me hug you, bro. But it was just right. like a show of affection that I had never seen between the two of you. And I'm just curious, are y'all conscious that- Oh, I thought that, it was just like, oh, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> but y'all don't do, I'll see you tomorrow. Hug, bro, I'll see you tomorrow. Like, that's not something that people are used to seeing. You know what's weird? Okay, so I have, despite whatever the, the perception, the whatever my, like, I don't know what people think when they see me. Like, I've heard I'm super arrogant. I hear I'm happy-go-lucky or, or this, goofy. This is a little or, disconnected sometimes, you know? Yeah, I'm yeah. very aloof. Yeah. I hear that aloof, a lot. Aloof. But the one thing I had to work on in the pandemic 
was really letting go of old ideas and perceptions. And the one thing that I was always taught, that my dad always taught me, and that's basically because he went through a situation with a business that he started with his brothers. And one of his big rules was always like, you know, never start business with family. You can never, ever mix never. business and your friendships. Da, 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 da. And I've seen the toll that that business took on my dad. Mm -hmm. Like we, we lost, he lost so much money. We, yeah, I think I met her on the show. Like we lived three years without gas in the house. Oh, wow. And it was like either private school for a mirror or gas. This is before Kappa. Oh yeah, there's it it some crazy shit with me. So that said, um, I always, like once I realized, oh, we're running a business, then I wondered like, well, I wonder how like, will shit change? Like, will we still spend the night at each other's house? Like, can we be friends or, and run a business? So I was, and even when I joke about the, the Gryffindor Slytherin thing. Mm -hmm, right. In my mind, it was always like, now that we have a business, I should keep a professional distance so that the business can last longer. Mm -hmm. But I also knew that I was sacrificing. Because I do miss those times where, like, we just hang out and, yeah. and, you know, watch movies and all that stuff. But in my mind, I think I was carrying a lot of my father's beliefs I started carrying on my own. And the one thing I thought about was like, oh, man. I mean, when Uncle Rosie and Dad and da 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 da. So now that I'm starting a business with someone that's like a brother to me, I could never do that. I mean, there's something to that, right? You know what I'm saying? Like that isn't uh, like lots of OGs have that philosophy, and it's not for you know, not for nothing. Yeah. Um, and you know, like just to speak to that same sort of you know thing, um, you know, I mean, Sean and I, Sean who manages the roots, that is my cousin. That's who cousin, I'm talking. Right, yeah. That's who had, that nigga just left when I burned down the house. <laughs> he would, you know, the fucking his spot on the on the floor was still warm. But um, you know, we grew up only you know two years apart from one another, and just really close um, as cousins in the same way that our mothers were. Um, they were like sisters, but they were aunt and niece. And he and I were, you know, great cousins, but, you know, we were more like brothers. You wrote um, beautifully about that, too. I mean, we went to, you know, college together, that whole thing. But once he became, you know, the Roots business manager and once he partnered up with Rich, there was something that, um, I mean, it changed. Like, there's something that changed. And I always wondered that. You know, it's like, you know, we used to kick it all the time. We go get drinks. We go, we at parties. We, you know what I mean? Yeah. I talk to you in the morning. We on the phone. And there's something that um, there is, a, you know, uh, uh, consciousness of maintaining um the business bar that i think um it, I, I mean there's a there's something admirable in being able to separate the professionalism you know what i mean in that way yeah. you know what i mean it's like he and i are brothers sean and i are cousins i don't think that's ever going to change but for this brand's sake for the sake of the business um yeah, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. So, I mean, I, I completely understand. You know, I know, uh, like, there are lots of other examples that have been set. You know what I mean? Other cats, other, you know, artists that have been collaborative in a comparable way, but none of them have stood the test of time that we have. So it must be something to that shit. You know what I'm saying? It is weird, though. Once uh, once during the the bionic period, uh, bionics, sorry, this was 2003, I think, 2002, 2003. Yeah, I caught Dela in a 20-minute candid moment. I forget where we were, either like a photo shoot or something like that. And I was far away, but I was keeping my eye on him. And I was like, wait a minute. 
they actually like each other? Yeah. Like they're Yo. friends? Because it's also a thing where you got to understand that to endure, and we can't stress enough the amount of stress and turmoil those first like four years were, where daily, every day, like my one dream of why this has to work is I can never, I will never ever go back to 5212 Osage Avenue. I don't know if you remember Jungle Fever when mm-hmm. that moment when Annabella Shior had mm-hmm. to like, in a moment of defeat, have to come back home to her dad. And my worst nightmare was this one, because even before things fall apart, like every day I had to deal with hearing my dad sort of say like, you gotta get a real job mm-hmm. and, or you doing a video, but where's the cable bill? And what about the electric bill? And da, 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 da. So in my mind, like, it's like, I can never, but the thing is, is that we have to be in tight, the way that you describe being in, on yeah. that tour in like uh-huh. tight circles. Like I've never spent that much amount of time with any human that long. So it's like, you gotta maintain a professional relationship and your brothers and you know and again i'm just i'm going you you're going to live out the examples of what was given of what to you no 100 mm-hmm. you know like there were some people who were in the roots who did that to the extreme like it's a delicate balance you know what i mean you have cats who i mean on more than one occasion more than one member of the roots who we we travel they act like they ain't even they don't know niggas you know what I mean? it's like yo like fucking, like dude like yeah. we in fucking, you know what i mean calicutta right now like yeah. we all we got we like, all you we really got. acting Legit. like you know what i'm saying like we didn't come together is it? but you know uh and i think it was you know in that i think people did that for some of the same reasons but um it's just extreme you know what i mean it's weird you mentioned the hug thing because there's one moment i remember which was at Dilla's funeral. Mm. And I believe either John or Ma Dukes sort of said like, like, shot me, not shot me look, cause everyone was sitting in the front row. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, me carries the flag for Dilla, like I should be from, but I wanted to sit in the back. And it seemed kind of odd cause it, it was a large church, but it wasn't that many people. It was like maybe 40, 50 people in a place that could hold like 300. Like Dill is buried in the same cemetery that Michael Jackson and Elizabeth Taylor are. So it's like a large sprawling estate, but there's only like 50 people there. And I purposely sat like in the last row, like with 17 rows like ahead of me of emptiness. And at the time, uh, my girlfriend was like, well, why are we sitting back here? And I was just like, it's so foolish now, but my whole thing was like, oh man, I can't can't let Tariq see me in a a vulnerable, weak moment, which is, again, I was, whatever, you can can never hold pre-2020 me. Now I look at it like, uh, now that we've read the book and we have had these conversations in the last seven years, is about you know I I had moments reading that book even when Tariq was describing your home situation like mm-hmm. with the padlock, padlock and stuff. on the inside. <laughs> now, you know what I remember. No by, one ever broke into my what, crib. <laughs> what I re- what I remember by Dilla's funeral was um, yeah definitely you know like just how you know, gargantuan, the sort of the space was, and we were only in the first few rows and stuff. But yeah, I remember being like, yo, where, where the fuck is Amir at? Mm. You know what I'm saying? And then 
I just remember like when it was over, I think at one point, like I connected with Dave New York, when it was over, right. we hugged. I fucking cried. Like that was the first time I was able to, like I hadn't cried the whole time of hearing, you know what I mean, throughout the whole shit. I saw Amir after the funeral and I just started bawling. You started, right, yeah, and yeah. it was such, so it felt weird to me because like I maintained such a professional distance thing, but this is like, oh shit, now I gotta switch the light on and go back to 1991 when we were born. You know what I mean? So after that, do you go back? After the hug and the embrace, does it slowly open up things or do you go back to... So here's the funny thing. All right, so I'm in... You know, and I've, I've shared my my mm -hmm. psychological journey and all that stuff. So um, I did a session once and I kind of slipped. And she said, well, you know, what was Tariq's opinion on that? And I was like, well, no. Nah, He's cool, you know, whatever. He said, no, no, what do he say verbatim? I said, well, he didn't say it, but no, nah, he'll be cool. That She's like, wait, how, how often do you talk to Tariq? That's a good and question. And she's the kind of person, <laughs> so she's the kind of person that if she sees a scab, she'll just start scratching it and scratching it. <laughs> and it's like, yo, I got other issues. I got, I got, you know, mother issues. No, 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 let's talk about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right, and she kept wanting to go there, and I'm just trying to, like, Matrix bullet dodge avoid it. <laughs> And she clearly saw my discomfort and she was just asking basic questions like, well, how long do you talk? Does Tariq know that like you're in therapy and da 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 and that you're turning new leaf? Yes. And I was like, come on, man, we're, you know, that's how you feel. You know, the thing like yeah, where you yeah, like, yeah. you don't say like, oh, I love you, man. And, yeah. you know, and I, I had a hard time just coming to grips with myself, like looking in the mirror and all that stuff. And so what she, the way that she sort of gets me, the part that I never reveal, is her method's a little bit different. Um, let's just say there's a certain amount of cash money in escrow in which I have to, and it's December, so I'm going to have to start write a contract of what my goals are for 2024. And if I don't stick to that, then she will present my worst nightmare, which is, okay, I'm going to take this money and donate it all to the GOP. No, 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 okay, okay. I'll stop eating sugar. I'll stop eating sugar. And it's almost like she has to, she has to mind trick and force me to do, because I'll just say like, yeah, I'll talk to him next week, next week, so... next month, next week. So here's the thing. So it's, it's, it's almost akin to that of like, you know, when you get a girl's number in high school and you're in the mirror, like I'm in the mirror in my dressing room, like, all right, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm in therapy. And, uh, like, I'm rehearsing my lines, like, a week ahead of time and shit. And she's, like, call me. All right, so what did Tariq say about your thing? And I was like, all right, all right, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. She's like, I'm going to take this money. Okay. Your, your relationship is a hostage negotiation. Right? It is. I mean, that's it what is. I'm hearing, right? Like, okay. I'm the person that has to be threatened to do the right thing. Like, I'll expose you if you don't, you know, take care of yourself. So I was like, all right, all right, all right. I said, so, uh, and this was like during the pandemic. So I was like, all right, uh, Reek, um, yeah, so, you know, I'm kind of do, doing self-work and stuff and, you know, microdosing and doing a lot of self-analytical. Here we go. Yes, right. yes. So I got my life together. I'm microdosing now. <laughs> so, I did like, so I did like this whole shit and I mentioned one of the people and I was like, yeah, so, you know, I'm reading this book by this guy named Dr. Joe Dispenza, and he talks about how, like, communication, da 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 da, -da, -da. And Tariq's like, oh, yeah, Dr. Joe, yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. And in my head, I'm like, holy shit, wait, no. what does he know about that? I said, you know about that, Dr. Joe? He's like, yeah, you know, years ago, you know, when I first started therapy, and then I'm ah. like, 
Holy shit. <laughs> You're in therapy. Like, <laughs> yay. I was, and when I got back, I was like, yo, I didn't know. I thought I was the only one, like, doing the self improvement thing. And Tariq's, like, beat me by, like, years. <laughs> really? Years? Really? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. He was, like, four years bit. ahead yeah, of me. Yeah. I started in 2020. He was, like, what was the 2015 catalyst? Well, well, you know, I um, man, I had become close friends with a a, a, a fellow named Kyle Vaines, and Kyle, um, he worked with me and Mark Jenkins and Ray Angry. He was like a, a supplement dude, who, you know, that worked at this um, you know, this gym that we were training at. Whenever Mark would come to work with D'Angelo, we would all, you know, what I mean, be working down in the financial district at that spot. So at one point, Kyle disclosed to Ray and I about how his girlfriend at the time, his fiance, was a huge Roots fan. Um, you know, she was terminally ill. Um, and really the only thing that was getting her through was our song, Tomorrow, the one with, Raheem. you know, me and yeah. Ron Raheem. And, um, yeah, so, you know, she she wound up, you know, transitioning. Um, we all kept in touch. And as luck would have it, we were out in um, L.A., I think like her funeral, her memorial was like a few days before we was would have been out there for Grammys or whatever. So me and Ray went out there early, performed at her memorial, and um, became you know closer friends with Kyle. So Kyle and I, that's like he's my hiking buddy. You know what I'm saying? We meet up at different places around the country and you know just go on walks. And you know he was always heavy into meditation. And um, when he started rocking with Joe Dispenza, he started sending me his meditations early on, and I I couldn't get with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, because of dude's Talks voice. Weird. Yeah, he talks weird, you know what I'm saying? But uh, he just kept bombarding me with the shit until, you know, like I got one meditation that was, it was, you know, short enough for me to get into. Um, and it, it was also, it wasn't so long that, you know, it started to, because I tried to do it with my family and everything. And they was like, yo, I can't do this. Like, why is dude talking that way? But once you get over <laughs> how he's saying the shit, um, you start to see results and you start to feel, you know what I'm saying, different. Um, so yeah, I've been rocking with it for a minute, but that's how I got turned on to it. You know what I mean? And uh, I think Kyle was the first person that gave me that book, um, Becoming Supernatural. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Was that, is meditation, is that still a practice today that you still do? It is. But you know, what really, you know, uh, tripped me out was, I, for, I didn't even realize when I discovered uh, Joe Dispenza's meditations that he was the same dude from that uh, documentary, What the Bleep Do We Know, that okay. did that he did the water uh, experiment, you know what I'm saying, that doc, that the Japanese dude does who wrote, you know, the hidden messages in water, where, you know, if I take a glass of water, if I take three glasses of water, say I take two glasses of water from the same source, and I, you know, you know, for a certain amount of time, a week or two weeks, just curse and talk down to this glass of water, and you know, I praise this container of water, and then we freeze them, and then look at it under a microscope, you'll see that the water that I've focused all the negative energy on is going to, you know what I mean, produce just all these ugly sort of, like you're going to be able to visibly see the ugliness the that I projected. Wow. Yeah, it's like I projected toxicity onto, you know what I mean, this water. And the water that you, you know, praise and that you hit, you know, and focus your positive energy on, like the images are like, you know, beautiful, you know, one of one like snowflakes, you know what I mean, when you look at it under a microscope. Because we're 70% um, made of water. Right. Human yeah. beings, so, so. so this dude whose meditations he and I do i was already a fan of his from the water shit yeah i mean really years probably 10 12 years ago and then i didn't realize oh shit this is that same dude then you know what i mean i started listening to really his podcast interviews and stuff because he was um he was he was like paralyzed from the neck down from an accident oh, wow. and you know just through mind control he was able to you know focus on different parts of his body and bring it all back you know what i mean so he's a, he's the real deal in that you know he's, he's still he talks weird though
So yes, I, <laughs> he talks weird, but that was the thing. Like I didn't realize that Tariq was actually more advanced in this shit than I was. Like I think I'm like bringing some like shit where, oh man, motherfucker's gonna start clowning me and oh, oh you all like oh, we was waiting you know, on you to get here, bro. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's that's what happened. So. Um, Yo, I'm in therapy. Ah, oh, man, doing white people shit. <laughs> right, exactly. Times <laughs> <So. laughs> are changing, y'all. Yeah, that. yeah, because just doing doing the work and doing, you know, at, as with most of us have discovered, for a lot of us, doing the work is it's it's a vulnerable thing to to put yourself through, yeah. and oftentimes we're looking at ourselves through the eyes of what others will think about me and all that stuff, and. Right. It really wasn't until mid 2020 in which a lot of us were like, okay, mental health and, you know, not just church. Yeah, we had no choice. But, and I, I gotta just say, at least for your story, Reek, like you, you would hope, yeah. just based on the surface of what we knew before you presented this book to us, that you were in therapy because yeah. it always just felt like your life, it was heavy. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I've definitely, you know, I've done with different sorts of therapy. And, um, you know, I think this book, just the process has been, you know, it was a th like it was a therapeutic, cathartic sort of thing for me to work through. Um, I knew I didn't want to write a tell all, you know what I'm saying? Like there is, I'm still super private yeah. and there is much that, you know what I mean? I just still hold close to the chest. But a lot of the shit is, is it's embarrassing. It's fucking, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, it what was the hardest thing for you to, in, in that realm, what was, one of the hardest things it was for you to express in that book. The hardest thing that I talk about in the book is, um, you know, firing a pistol into a building with, that I knew my mother was inside of. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, that was, you know, very, I mean, it was hard, super hard. I mean, in that moment, you know, it felt, it made perfect sense. It was but, so brave of you, and I appreciated you for introducing us to your mom. Yeah, yeah man, um, not for real. She was like... I mean, I, I've never even met a high-ranking woman in the nation in the, of Islam. Yeah, like, yeah, she wasn't a joke. I was gonna ask you um, another uh, part in the book. You mentioned, um, you know, just relationships that your behavior, you know, you knew you kind of like, kind of ruined in some ways. How did you go about fixing those relationships, and what did that look like? Um, you know, there, um, some some of those relationships I haven't been able, you know, they've been uh, irreparable. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow, but you you know, you got to swallow it, right? One of the, you know, I really, I mean, we would all hope that you'd be able to make it all good with like your nuclear family at some point, right? So I was, you know, I did have hopes that, I don't know, it's, even though I, I refer to him as my half brother in this book, you know what I mean? It's, I only have one brother, so... Um, I would, you know, it was my hopes that he was gonna read the book and I don't know, like that would be a springboard for some self-revelation, some discovery within himself that would lead to, I don't know, some sort of, you know, peace. But um, yeah, just as luck would have it, like the crazy shit was, I found out that they found his body. Like, you know what I'm saying? My brother was, yeah, he, he I don't think there was any foul play, but he, he passed away. And I found out when I was in Philly to do a book event, like the first book event with Mark Lamont Hill. Mark Lamont Hill, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so this like, is recent. This is this is recent, yeah. But you know they um. 
I yeah, know yeah. This. So, so during this whole for the past two weeks, while I've been on this run, like promoting this book, I've been having to, you know, shoot back and forth to Philly and figure out the funeral arrangement. I mean, you know, he did, he never wanted a funeral or anything like that, but you know, just to get his remains, yeah. uh, you know, cremated and that whole process, it's been a lot. And I didn't take any time off from, uh, you know, tonight show or any of that either, because I just been, you know, just trying to choose my battle. So I just made it happen. But yeah. um, when's the last time y'all communicated? The last time he and I communicated was. Um, um, man, maybe it was, uh, it's been about two years or so. You know what I mean? He reached out, I know like within the past like two months, he reached out, but uh, he wasn't able to get in contact with me. He's, oh man. You know, yeah. So w one question I had, how do you, I mean, Amir's talked about it as well, but like when you are the one in your family that makes it, right? Yeah. How do you go about setting up boundaries with your family? in terms of, okay, this is what I can do, this is what I'm not gonna do. How did y'all figure that out? I think over time, you know, those boundaries just sort of reveal themselves, right? In situations where it's extended family. But with your parents, with your, I mean, I would imagine with your parents, you know what I'm saying? But um, like with your siblings, with your, uh, you know, with anyone in your family who was close enough to feel that level of entitlement, um, it's crazy, like it could, you know, like it could, it's for, for, for many of us, it's a deal breaker. You know what I'm saying? I had my brother on a salary for a long time, you know, where he was, you know, he never had to do anything. He just get a check every week. That's not you know always the best thing for him though, right? You know, and it was like, I mean, but I tried all different sorts of configurations mm -hmm. of, you know, trying to set him up for self-care and to be able to, you know, best uh, take care of my grandmother too at the time before she passed away. And, uh, you know, to no avail, you know what I'm saying? Have have your uh, how have your your kids? Because you talked about briefly your older kids, yeah. Of course, you're younger too. But how have they received the book? Or and are they aware of everything that you have put in that? My daughter Celia, uh, she she read a couple drafts and she read the book. Ooh. So she um, how old is she? That is Celia, weird. Yeah, Celia's seventeen. Seventeen. Okay. Yeah. Like I write Very books knowing 17. that my family will never read <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, but nah, he can't do that. She's read a couple drafts and she's read the book, and you know she loves it. She, um, you know, she was brought to tears um, on a, a, a couple different uh, instances. But um, my other kids, I know Amir hasn't read it. I wanted to say that too. That Amir, was the, all, Amir the other thing. Amir has not read it, and you know, I don't, know. I don't know what's up There's with Amir. Amir with Amir this year, Amir is a. I love the way you just dropped that. Like everybody knows that Black Thought has a son named Amir. I just I need mean, everybody not talking about that. Yes, yeah. yes. But no, yeah, he uh, he's about to be twenty four. And he was just always so, you know, idyllic, you know, <laughs> that I feel like now I'm just, it's so shocking. Like, he be forgetting, you know what I mean? He's forgotten my birthday this year, oh, a couple days late, Rule which is, one. it's not huge, but it's like, wow, like, is this, who is, who is this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He like, oh, my bad, Pops, I just been. Mushrooms. Boo -boo. You're right, you <laughs> know what I mean? But uh, I, I'm sure he hasn't read the book yet because he's just, you know, he's, uh, it, he'll have to pr probably be up here for the holidays and in my presence, and then he'll, you know, crack it. You've had conversations <laughs> with like Amir and stuff about this evolution and these stories of your family and like yeah, how you yeah. how you upcycle. Yeah, yeah. You know, I try. Uh, I've always tried to, you know, just to be be transparent with my kids about that from which we sort of, you know, came. But um, yeah, I've, it's it's hard to get them interested. 
You know what I mean? I drive around like, you know, this is where I went to school. I used to live like in this tiny structure. You know what I mean? This is how far. Let me, let me show you how far I walked to first grade. You know what I mean? And I say, okay, we start here. And then I'm driving, driving, driving. They're like, we ain't get there yet. I'm like, nah. You uh, and we driving. Like, I was and I'm not, yeah, I'm not making this shit up. Yes, I was walking. And maybe there was a path shoveled through the snow, but maybe there wasn't. You know what I mean? Um, and they just, you know, they lose interest. So I try not to impress it upon them. But I think it's because, you know, they're just so, they they come up in a bubble. So there's that disconnect, you know what I mean? And it's it's part of what we do this is ever. this is part of the, you know, proverbial having overcome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Are we it's watching like, it yeah, with like, T.I. and King? Is, yeah, That's why is, I'm like, <laughs> right. listen. So yeah, the, the way that privilege, the way that entitlement yeah. plays out, um, it plays out in different ways. And it depends on, you know, I think it boils down to, you know, the, I mean, we all spare the rod now. But, you know, I think it boils Shit, down to how, us, how much yeah. time has passed, maybe how many generations have passed, you know, uh, since the rod has been uh, has been spared. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, yeah, you know, it's wild. I try not to force it on them. But just a couple of weeks ago when we were leaving a book event in Philly, I went to Philly to do something. Uh, oh no, the, the one I was talking about with Mark. Mm -hmm. And it was in my old neighborhood. So we were on our way home. And just as we were on our way home, my son Tariq, who's eight, was like, uh, he said, Joe, then when next time we come to Philly, could we see, you know, one of the places yeah. you used to live, like maybe Ooh. the house that you burned down? And we were like two blocks away from there. So I got to now because he had expressed interest. I took him to the block. I showed him, you know, where I went to preschool, showed him the house that I, you know, set on fire and where I used to go to the corner store and that whole thing. And, you know, not that he, you know, cared, but I showed him where Chubby Checker used to live. Yeah, but, you know, now it's uh, it's uh, you know, he has a. You know, there was because he expressed interest. I think uh, that memory, but it'll sit with him in a, in a different way. But yeah, my other kids, they don't really, they don't be caring. All right, y'all. You know what season it is? Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app, trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen. While I'm looking to spend all this money. What I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? 
Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Okay, I kind of want to carjack this interview. I know we're talking about the book, but also know a big part of Tariq's existence is that in Root's world, everyone knows Amir, but no one knows Tariq. Kind of the ways where we're opposite is... Uh, last night, I went to bed at 4.20 a.m. I'm certain you were probably up at 3 a.m. What is your morning routine? Mm, I um I usually go to bed around 9 or 9.30. Who does that? Well, Like, you you're know, not in third grade. But <laughs> but I got a son who's in second grade. Yeah. And he be wearing oh, me out. Oh, so... You, you know, so it's You gotta like, live your kids' lives. First, first and foremost, I have to be awake for as many consistent hours as possible just to police his sugar intake. Ooh. If Tariq wakes up at 6 a.m. and we don't wake up till 8, oh, yeah. there's been two hours where he could just roll through the crib, grabbing snacks, stashing shit, eating you know candy for breakfast, and then I wake up at 8. And oh, then that's a real shit? Yeah, super real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, so there's that. There's also... Um, if there's anything, you talked about me wanting to watch The Guild. If there's anything that I that I like to watch or that I want to read or work on or listen to, it has to happen before the house is up. So it works out that I'm in bed at, right after when Tariq goes to sleep at nine nine thirty. I go to bed, but then I wake up at like four thirty five, and then I'm good. And everybody else is asleep, and I have an hour and a half to two hours, you know, to do whatever. Right? What time do they wake up? That they wake up at seven. They wake up at seven, and it's wild because it, that gives me anxiety. Celia has a, a seven twenty train to make it to school in New York City, and she gets up at seven o'clock, and she still she has to walk the dog and be at the train. And I'm like, "Yo, how are you doing this?" But she makes it happen. She makes it, she makes it happen. <laughs> my kids do you not make saying? that happen. They yeah, take, she makes it like, happen. No. Michelle gets up at seven, and you know, Tariq gets to school every day at the absolute latest that he can <laughs> arrive. You know what I'm saying? I, I know you're big on food. Are you the food person in the house? I am. Yeah, I cook. I do all the grocery shopping, and I, and I cook almost all. Well, 80%, 90% of the grocery shopping, and I cook 80%, 90% of the meals. But, yeah, also in the morning, I do that Joe Dispenza 25-minute uh, morning meditation. Okay. I knock that out. Um, work out? What do you do know, with your physical? Um, I, sometimes I work out, you know what I mean? Uh, like when I'm in a workout period. I work out. This thing's good. I don't so, even know right, 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 right. If, 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 if that's the vibe, then then, then I work out. It's nothing. Because you're looking good. When I was so. fresh off that LL tour, yeah. you know what I mean? And I found out that Amir's trainer uh, happened to live 10 minutes from my crib. And, you know, we had gotten close on the road. It was like, yeah, cool. Let's work out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did it for a solid month after we got off the road. And then, you know, we trickled off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's Thanksgiving. But, yeah, I'll be back, you know, January. <laughs> you know, right, right. Yeah, January, no doubt. You know, when in terms of your writing, like writing songs, writing rhymes, uh, how often do you write, and what does writer's block look like for you? Well, I get home from work at night, I eat dinner, and then I go into my office and I and I write. I either try to read for at least an hour or write for at least an hour before I come back to you know, because my my office is over the garage, so it's like. It's almost like I come in the crib, I have dinner, and then they say, oh, you leaving us? <laughs> then, I, then I'm out. It's like I go across the driveway and then I work, you know, some more. 
um, and I do the same thing in the morning. So your office is outside the house? Yeah. Okay. yeah. On a writing note, I just wanted, I want to ask about this, this Andre 3000 quote that he recently said, I was just talking about this with Fonte too, where he said that at this age, he's not doing hip hop because what does he have to talk about? Like going yeah. to get a colonoscopy. What do you feel about that? Cause when I heard that and my friend, we were like, yeah, we, we actually would like to hear about yeah, these things. Cause I we, think, yeah. I think that's it. I think there are, I don't really get writer's block like that. I'm always able to come up with something just because of the amount of, you know, constant, like information, like the intake, you know what I mean? It's content being projected at me, you know what I mean? At every turn, you know what I'm saying? I drive in, I'm listening to PRX, which is all 20 minute chunks of storytelling, which is dope because it just, it gets me into just being a more efficient storyteller. I listen to NPR if I want to hear something in long form. I listen to, you know, uh, Urban View for, you know what I mean? Yo, black people politics. <laughs> and um, that's it. Like, if I don't get no bars Our off voices. of that, it's like, that's right. 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 You know what I mean? <laughs> the, the, the black eagle, Jerry <laughs> Madison. You know what I mean? Um, but that's the type of shit, you know, that's where the bars come from, whether I agree with it uh, or, or not. You know what I mean? It's always a springboard, you know, like into a thing. Are you writing like two beats or are you just writing just. Sometimes I'm writing not to beats, but it's more exciting for me to write to beats. I got a batch of joints from Mad Lib, for example, like, um, you know, maybe two, three weeks ago, he hit me, he was like, yo, Monday, I'm gonna start bombarding you with joints. Boom, Monday rolled around, he sent me like 100 beats. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Amazing. And then I got the beats and it was like, yeah. I, I narrowed it down to like 18 and I started, you know, vibing to those joints. Um, but yeah, you know, it's exciting now for me, like to come home and like dig through that sort of, uh, that, that, that collection. I went to LA, we were in this, we had a couple sessions in LA um, over the weekend. I came back. So that's sort of what I've been like chipping away at. Um, but when yeah. you say we had, is that like the roots had? Nah, nah. Okay. Like, man, 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 I, I just yeah. wanted to, okay, no, just wanted to like, slide I, that I, in. I, I, went to, I went to LA to do a book event at USC, but I'm going to always, you know, the studio is my church. Like, that's where I feel okay, most sure. at home. So if there's any possibility for me to go and sit in the mm. studio someplace and hear music and chill and smoke and be social, whether I'm actually actively working on the thing or not, then that's what I'm going to opt for. You know what I mean? So yeah, I went out there, I did my book thing, and then I went into the studio. I was in the studio with uh with Madlib. Rich, Richard Nichols. We talk about Undone. Today was the is the anniversary of Undone. Yeah. That was the well, second time that I called got called to be on the record. And we right. did one time. And that was the the first time with that one and also how I got over. That was the first time I really got to see how integral Rich was to the recording process. Cause mm -hmm. I had never been like in the studio with y'all. Yeah. So I wanted to just hear from you, like what he was kind of to you as, you know, as a mentor, manager, like what role did he play kind of in? You, um, know? you know, for me, yeah, Rich was a mentor. I've always been big on mentorship, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know where I would be, you know, without it. He lived by example, you know what I'm saying, in many ways. Um, and was, you know, he was the roots, I mean, above and beyond an executive producer. I always talk about he was the sort of the brains of this operation, you know, when he really, you know, um, laid down the groundwork for us to be able to, you know, I don't think our mayor and I would be as self-sufficient as we are, you know what I mean, had he not, you know, been focused on that, you know, 10, 20 years yeah. before it mattered to us, you know? So, um, you know, what he was, was he was that, uh, he was the, he was on both of my, she was, you know what I mean? An influence, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, and you know, um, just working with him, like having him uh, in, in on the process, uh, you know, I knew the bar, I was gonna always be at my best, 
You know what I'm saying? Always, always. He was gonna always push us, even when you know you might. It might be something that you you really feel like you you killed it and you you have taken it as far as you could take oh, it. Yeah. yeah, no, he's gonna. You know what I mean? He was the the voice of <laughs> reason, and he would bring you back down to reality in that way. Um, talk about uh, that you working with us in the roots. I was um, I felt threatened by you when you uh, worked with us. Wow, you know what I mean? Man. Just because um, I was like, how is this? You know, Rich sent you back to the drawing board, but not as much as he was sending us. You know what I mean? And I know uh, it wasn't. You got it easy. And I know, <laughs> I know, I know it wasn't because like we were, you know what I mean, his family. It was because yeah. he was just more content with what you were doing. So I was like, what the fuck is Fonte doing that? <laughs> you know what I mean? He only had to rewrite his shit like 10 times. Like, nigga, this is like my 30th fucking. You know, so. First um, of all, this is the first time most of us are hearing that somebody could make either one of y'all rewrite. You're right. No, no, no. Rich was like, when well, yeah. we came, when I, when I did the verse for one time, Cause the thing was, well, no, it wasn't one time. It was, uh, it was now or never. First, yeah. it was uh, now or never, and um, I came to do that one, and I just wrote a verse. Cause he would, I would, I'm like, okay, so what's the song about Rich? And Rich would send me like a G chat. We right. be on G chat every day long. He was chat. He was chat. He was chat for real. I'd be like, okay, nigga, I don't know what none of this shit means. All right, fuck it, I'm gonna come feel this shit. And so I did my verse, and I just did it. And um, what none of y'all, y'all wasn't there. It was just me and Spawn in the studio. Mm -hmm. So I think even Richard left. And so I did my joint and I'm like, all right, I, I think, I don't know, I guess this works. And so I went to the crib, went to the hotel and the next morning he called me and I didn't hear nothing. Cause normally Rich, you know, he would text or I would get something <laughs> to say, I ain't hear shit. And I'm like, okay. So he called me, he like, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, just, I mean, yeah, just, I'm gonna need you to go at it again. I'm like, all right, cool. And so I went again and I remember the note he gave me was, he was like, I want it to make sense. It can't just be dope as a rap. It has to exactly. make sense on the page. Like if yes. you're just reading it as yes. poetry, you yes. know, or as literature, yes. it has to make sense in that yes. way. And I was like, shit, okay, got it. And so then I did the second draft. And then that was when he called me back for the day with yeah. Blue. Yeah. And when he called me back for that, I was like, hell yeah. Cause that was one, like, I love that fucking yeah, song. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite, even without me on, that's just one of my favorite songs uh -huh. y'all catalog. And so we did that one. But through all of those times, man, he was really, because I understood, like, I'm walking into a studio, nigga, it's you, truck, mm -hmm. porn, he, mm -hmm. that's when porn was getting his shit yeah. off, like, porn was yeah. hanging shit. I would, I would I mean? show up, like, you know, and I was living and in dice. LA at that time. Dice. And yeah, dice. of course, big ups to Dice. I would show up and they would, you know, because it was so competitive, um, they would all, you know, clamor to get their ideas on a beat before I heard it so that I was, you know, just more married to, mm -hmm. you know, that's how I ex first experienced the, the, you know, the composition, right? I would hear, they were like, yo, you got to hear this beat. And the first time they playing it for me, I hear poem verse on it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so it was competitive in that way. But By the way, Greg Porn, uh, yeah. in case, you know, whatever. Greg Porn. Um, but yeah, you know, um, Fonte, for Rich to even, you know what I mean, be concerned enough to send you back to the drawing board. Man, I appreciate that It shit. means that you were brilliant because he would, you know, just as quick be like, nah, you know what I mean? We, he, he couldn't give us what we needed and we would just, you know what I mean, move on because it was so many, nah, you know what I mean, other people sort of waiting for that slot. Listen. But he was concerned with um, elevating, you know, hip hop lyricism to literature. And, and elevating, you know, hip hop culture to fine art. And he was, you know, he was so disgusted, always disgusted with the state of black <laughs> lyricism, like R&B lyrics, like, you know what I mean? The shit that, you know, he fucked up the whole Rich, right, Rich <laughs> fucked up the whole family cookout, just dissecting, you know what I mean? Fucking, shit. Yeah. Right. 
No, like, yeah. bro, when we did, I remember we did uh, one time that was for Undone. And um, I remember the note he gave me, he was like, you know, you you have to be a character. He said, I don't want you to just rap this. Like you can't yeah. just be rapping. You yeah. know what I mean? And he played me when I first when I first got there. It was before you got in the studio. He played me sleep. Okay, yeah. And he played me sleep. I was like, oh, this shit hard. And he was like, man, Reek did that like 30 fucking times. Like I had him doing yeah. da, da, da. I'm like, damn. So I went in to do I did mine. And I mean, it was for in that particular case. The lyrics I got right because he was pretty much by that time I kind of knew the science. So I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, I, I see what he's going for now. But the performance, yeah, like, he drilled me on that shit. He's like, nah, I want you to do this word, say it like that. I'm like, all right, you know. Now I mean? you know why I hate doing lyrics. Right? <laughs> doing vocals. And you, know, vocals. you know what Rich I would hate do? Rich would do with me sometimes. He would, um, you know, just get me to do it that many times, and then he'd do a composite. That's what you yep, do a composite 100%. of, you know, the best syllables from, mm -hmm. you know, 30 different takes. And then, you know, he get this composite and it'll be that was the chat GPT of it all. Cause that was <laughs> like, OK, now this is AI. But yeah. then he say, OK, so we can either use this composite, which, you know, nine times out of 10, I wouldn't want him to use just because mm -hmm. it would, it's a different sort of, you know, feeling like there's nuance that is different. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the composite will become the example. And then it's like, you know, if you can't do it as dope, if you like give me a take like this or better yeah. or the composite is what we're using you know nah, what I'm and that, yeah 100 because with that that kind of was something that changed my mind because for me i know as mcs we pride ourselves on getting it in one take yeah it's like yeah. fuck it this one take, one take yeah whichever take i whichever take is right that's the first one that's the one yeah but like for him i kind of started to see it more and looking at making records almost as like making a film in the sense of that you're really just trying to capture the best performance. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. It because yeah, you once look you at put it as, this thing as down, scenes, right. that's it. Like yeah. it's, it's like that forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So was that, Rich as integrated in the live performance as he was in the studio? He was our sound yeah. guy. And, yeah. I mean, even in the way that you presented just not just the sound of it all, but even the way that you y'all presented yourselves on stage. Yeah, I, I mean, so. Rich yeah. built the myth of the roots because before us, you know, your average band was maybe. 96 dbs which is like a normal listening experience rich was trying to create some pink floyd shit where we wall were 100 wall of sound right yeah we were like 140 dbs he would like i mean the whole idea of like echoes and all mm -hmm. that stuff like mm. he's because yeah. because also the thing is is that we weren't hits based so we had to make this show Form. exciting, right? Mm -hmm. So was he like, like, I'm Rick, I'm gonna need you to work the stage more. Like, I'm gonna oh, need you to. He would give, he would give notes like that. Mm -hmm. He would give, yeah, notes like that. I mean, but you would be able to tell, you know what I mean? Like, if we get done a performance and we get back to the dressing room, and I'm like, yo, how was that shit? Yeah, that shit like, sucked. You know what I mean, yeah, like, I mean, he <laughs> let you know. Like that, you know what I'm saying? Um, he wasn't going to, uh, you know, he wasn't very generous in that way. So you know, even if he said that shit was cool. It meant the it was fucking cool. Yeah. That like, best yeah, thing it, you can say yeah. is like, it was all right. No, yeah. y'all are so right. Cause I'm like, I remember you the know? first, the first, the only time I got a compliment from Rich and it changed my life. Like, yeah, wait, I got yeah. a question along those lines. Trig, I caught the Force Tour like a month ago. Mm -hmm. It was the last, it was in Boston. It was the last one. And my favorite thing is not just you as the leader of the roots, but you as hype man. It was oh, one yeah. of my favorite things to watch. Like oh. LL and all of, it was I, I didn't know you were such a great hype man. Oh man! <laughs> and it was, thank you, and thank I was, you, it was what I just I know if you could speak to that and just like what it's like to be with some of your heroes or you know people you really respect oh, and 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 hype, and hype in front of them. It was it was far out. It was you really know for me um that's that's one of my favorite things to do is to be supportive. Like you know what I mean I just enjoy 
sparring back and forth with those legends, like with people who, you know, are the reason that I do what it is that I do. And with many of whom just feel uh, unsung or, you know, underappreciated, it blows their mind, you know what I'm saying, to realize that something they wrote when they were 14 or 15 or 16, that Im impacted me when I was 14 or 15 or 16. Now these 30 or 40 years ago, it's still you know, has a life, you know what I mean? So, um, and you know, a lot of these cats, I think the role that The Roots serves is um, we're connective tissue between a generation, nah, the bridge, right? Man. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, we've been that bridge and there's a lot of cats who, you know, um, maybe at one point of their career were at a certain level and then they don't perform for a long while. And then when they have the opportunity to perform again, it's like, ah, you know what I mean? Is my music gonna be right? Do they know my lyrics? Are these people familiar with what it is that I do? And you know, the fact that they, they may be coming back with the roots puts them at ease because of the way that, you know, like musically and from a, you know, just a hype man standpoint, we're able to support them, mm -hmm. you know? So um, that's something that I've always, you know, just appreciated and enjoyed. And I'm not about on stage trying to, I, I don't want any attention on stage. Like, don't even look at me. <laughs> like, look at dude, just, you know, I'm about the, the sound, right. you know? Yeah. So it, it, it works out for me in that way. But the Force Tour was a dream come true in nah, that, man, that we got to do that shit every man. day, yeah. you know? All right, so let me ask, uh, probably one of the biggest myths of black thought is your relationship with freestyling. Um, there's three particular stories I want you to talk about. Okay. All right. So I'll we'll need you to do, to do a 45 minute freestyle. For us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So of course I know that, um, shout out to Espo from Philly for catching, uh, that clip of us in the alleyway, or whatever, like doing the freestyle thing, which is court, which basically set your legend. Mm -hmm. Um, can you talk about, do you remember the time? Is this Dred Scott? Is this the Dred Scott story? No, 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 uh, Han Soul. Han Soul, oh, that's right, Han yeah, Soul. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that moment when we were at the Trocadero with Han Soul and we drove home and he freestyled that entire time in the back seat? I do. Did that have an impact on you? Because the next day, you said it once, you're like, that's the level that I have to surpass. <laughs> like, can you talk about like how, if that had an impact on you as far as like rhyming on the spot? Because I've seen you do it in high school. But kind of in a, a funny way, like battling. But there, there was um yes to answer your question. I remember that night coming home from the truck. I remember Han Solo freestyling, and and um I remember the way it made me feel. Um not necessarily threatened, but just you know competitive. You know what I'm saying? Um the same way that I felt uh when I came up and and the the first time I saw Razel and and Supernatural and Muhammad performing at that uh, Boom Poetic thing, mm -hmm. right? I came back to Philly like, yeah, what, what are y'all doing? You know what I mean? Like fucking, dude, you're awake and you're not rapping? Like fucking, like <laughs> niggas in New York, is, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, they fucking rapping right now, dog. Like, you know what I mean? You gotta be able to go, like off the top. Yo, bust some rhyme. Right. See, you can't, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? like, that's how I was. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, it was more of that, you know what I mean? I wasn't um, necessarily, it, it wasn't like, a, I didn't feel threatened, but it, I was just super competitive. You know, and I knew, um, you know, people who went to college with me, people who went to high school with me, they'll always tell you about, oh, this one time, you know, Tariq rapped for three hours and we walked from here to here mm -hmm. or drove from here to there and he never stopped rapping. But um, there was something, uh, there was a gravitas, there was a seriousness in it that night in what Hans was doing that made me like, okay, like this is a thing. There was a level of mastery 
to mm. it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I definitely, um, yeah, that, that was the takeaway. So can you give your version, like I know Rich's version of the Kanye bathroom situation. Yeah. Do you remember in, we were backstage at Universal Amphitheater. Right. I didn't know who Kanye West was then. So I think like he just did get by, like he was right. hanging with uh, Kweli or whatever. And again, because of, of, of the legend of Tariq's the best freestylist ever, you know, motherfuckers would just come up and think, you know, them rappers that want to rap just like. Yeah, yeah. And I, I hate that too with musicians. Like, musicians want to, like, hey, let's have a jam session or, right, you right. know, start drumming and talk. And I'm like, I don't do that shit on my off hours or whatever. So, Rich told me a story once about, like, you were changing for show, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then Kanye decided, oh, this is my moment. And just starts freestyle in front of you. Why, yeah. Can you tell that story? Because I never heard <laughs> your side of the story. I mean, uh, you, you know, like, what it, like back in the day, we would show up for our sessions. Kanye would be in there sometimes, you know what I mean? 88 Keys would be in there sometimes. Right. They were down with Kenny Duro. They were down with, you know what I mean? You know, um, people who worked in studios who would give them a heads up, you know, on who had sessions, and they would be in there and trying to place their beats and, and, and rap for, 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 for niggas. Ambushes. Right. And, um, you know, my thing with Kanye was I, was I would run into him more um, while we were shopping. So I would be in Atlanta or Chicago or L.A. at the place where, you know, ever everybody goes to get clothes. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. So whatever the popping, you know what I mean, uh, story is at the Barney's or, you know, Fred Siegel, whatever back in the day. And Kanye would always be in there and he would always see me. And now Kanye would be like, yo, what you got? You know what I'm saying? So he would be the type yeah. of person to... He wants to see everything you putting on the counter, you know what I mean? And he want to go back and see if he want to get that or if he want to switch out. So I would, you know, be sometimes in a store or in like a mall and Kanye's there and now I'm grabbing shit to try and throw him off the center of the trail, make him think I'm going to get this stuff and that's not what I'm going to get. Oh, this is my Nietzsche. Yeah. The night that you're talking about, we showed up to our gig. It was Akon in the Roots in Erica, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And um, Kanye was there. Shit, I forgot. Akon yeah, that was the night, first time I met Akon. He was over enough with him. And um, Kanye was in there, and he immediately goes into his shit of, oh, shit, what's that? Oh, you got them wide threes? Oh, and then, oh, what's that? And he started, like, picking apart everything that I had on. So now I'm trying to get dressed. And my whole shit, like, the reason why I was annoyed, it wasn't even that he started rapping or that he was talking about music. I was used to him doing that. But he was trying to, you know what I mean, like, sort of tag, pick my shit apart and be like, <laughs> oh, you got to this, you got to that, you got to that. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, I'm up on that. You know what I mean? And it was like, that was what... I'm like, just get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm getting dressed, nigga. Like, I'm trying to, you know what I'm saying? And I think that was, you know, that, that's what happened at Universal that night. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. I have a theory about the flex freestyle. Mm. That's, yeah. I knew how hard you and Malik prepared in 93. Like, the mentality of, like, yo, motherfuckers in New York are, yeah. you know, we got to come with it. Yeah, yeah. And I remember once, like, we were driving to New York and we were listening to, like, a Bessa Bobbito and Stretch Armstrong thing. And we were like, wait a minute, that's a B side. Oh, we've heard that rhyme before. Right. On the, and, it was kind of a there's no Santa Claus thing yeah, yeah. realization, but you two still kept at it. I remember once you guys did a session which you did so many freestyles for all these name brand DJs that never mm. wound up like there's there's volumes of freestyles yeah, that you've yeah. done that are probably still Yeah, it was like one of the MCA, like we're gonna promote, you know what I mean? Like, you know, for all the radio mix show D right, yeah, I remember. So for you Knowing that was your first time after 32 years <laughs> of never being invited on Flex's show, mm -hmm. were you in Kill Bill, I'm going to show you not to ever deny me again? Because that wasn't regular. That wasn't just like, oh, I'm, by minute seven, I was like, oh, this is a revenge mission. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. I wasn't really on Kill Bill mode. You know, I was... um. For me, I don't know if you recall, that was a Thursday that I did that joint. It was, we had taped two Tonight Shows. Mm -hmm. um, so I was tired. It was like 20 below zero, freezing cold. You know what I'm saying? Um, I couldn't find parking. I had my assistant at the time, like, outside waiting in my car, like, double parked. So it was just like the urgency of trying to, you know, get in and out. Get out, yeah. And um, I knew, you know, Flex and I had been texting back and forth for maybe six months at that point, just trying to figure out a window that made sense. And well, um, What was that first text like when finally, like, he acknowledges that we're not me five? Um, not I, nothing I, against yeah, me yeah, five yeah, me. Yeah, so. yeah, no, no. I was, you know, <laughs> Sorry, I brother, was like, wow, me. you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I think, yeah, it was definitely. I was surprised. I was surprised. I was surprised. And, and you know, I don't know if, um, I think leading up to that, you know what I mean, Flex's Olive Branch, Flex's way to show that it was coming from an authentic place was um, he just started offering to spin for us. Like, yo, any Roots gigs y'all got, 
I'll pull up, I'll just rock for y'all. You know what I mean? I don't know if you remember what that. What was the moment that changed his mind? I don't know, but you know what I'm saying? Wait, didn't you do another? Oh, the method, maybe the Method Man thing. Because even uh, Jay, Jay hit me about the Method but Man when, freestyle. By the time I did the Method Man freestyle, Flex and I had already been talking for like, you know, damn near a year about me coming up to Flex. The Method Man freestyle just took place because we were promoting that HBO show. Okay. Um, and you know, it's no way we could go somewhere and it's me and Method Man and they not ask us to rap. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, you know, when I did that Flex Freestyle, it was like, you know, I mean, rhyming off the top, rapping period, it only matters to, it's, it's, it's so niche, you know what I'm saying? So I just wanted to represent for those people who sort of gave a fuck, you know? And I wanted to, I, I, it had to be one take because I had to get out of there, you know what I mean? I was ready to go home. And um, my fear was that he was just gonna interrupt you and not let you finish. And yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's enough. And I was like, no, no, no. And okay, he let him go on. Right. But you know, for me, can you talk about? Did that finally feel like a redemptive moment for you? In which you finally got your flowers. It didn't. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it felt yes. That moment. You know what I mean? Like the moment that you know that followed. Like, what'd you do that night when you got home? Um. Oh, I just. Chilled, probably, you know what I mean? Wrote, went wrote a little bit and went to bed. Yeah, I went to <laughs> bed. Really? I went yeah, yeah. It was. Um, I hate to say, I mean, not that I hate to say, I actually cried. No, nah, it wasn't. No, nah, it wasn't <laughs> until. Seeing the, the reception. Yeah, it started to go viral. And, I, you know, I saw folks re retweeting it and, you know what I mean, like reposting the joint. Um, that's when it started to feel like, oh, wow, you know, because I never, like, I, I was still new, I guess, to social media. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just really started rocking, you know, with the Instagrams and t Twitters of the world, you know, relatively recently at that, at that point. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just dope. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's dope to be uh, acknowledged. To that point about social media, for, you know, you saying, you know, when I'm on stage, like, I don't want you to really see me at all. So how do you deal with now in the era of, you know, with, of music, just entertainment period, where you have to have that presence of, of some sort? You know, some sort of presence online or. Um, I mean, it's a, it's, it's just, it's a delicate balance. You know what I mean? I do. <laughs> it's just gonna sound crazy. It's like I, I basically do the bare minimum. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, I do the bare minimum, and I'm able to still somehow feed my family. But you know, there's a bunch of, a lot of what I do is also an exercise in overcoming, you know, the anxiety associated with you know, doing shit, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So when I do, like if I force myself to go and do a five, a hot five, a tight five of standup, mm -hmm. like that's a, you know, an exercise in me, um, you know, just becoming more comfortable in my own skin in front of an audience without having any safety net, Yeah, you know? Um, the you same- talk about that? Cause I, I feel like a lot of people don't know that you're heavy into oh, standup. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I, got, I got heavy into standup I got heavy into, you know, musical theater when I was, you know, when I'm working on Black, Black No More, More. That's yeah. what I'm doing. Um, I'm Marius was a series, basically, I'm, right? Right, right. It is. It's, it's still, series. you know, it's still a thing. And I'm now, um, you know, uh, heavy into, I mean, I mean, it, it, I think the, the medium with which we tell the story is ever evolving. Um, but the story sort of remains the same. You know what I'm saying? How do you, I was going to ask you about just your memory in terms of... Mm. Memorizing Yo, lines. I hate his the, memory. Yeah, like how do you go about just <laughs> memorizing all of those? Like when you're doing a roots picnic and you hear you know, something once. Yeah, you'll just do just a, a verse. Like you'll just come up and just do a verse or something. How do you just, I guess, how do you log all that stuff? Um, I don't know, man. It's like I think I'm using the part of my brain that is, uh, I, I don't know, I just tapped into 
you know, something that probably would otherwise have laid dormant yeah. if I didn't sort of force myself to, you know what I mean, work with something outside of my muscle memory. Wait, so to that point, you know? the book, I found myself reading this and being like, fuck, I know Reek smokes. But the details. <laughs> well, not as much anymore, though, right? It no, doesn't not even as matter. much. Like, have we traded places? A little bit. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> he smoked, he smoked enough. Places. But you know, I think that's uh, attributable to Rich, Rich's genius, too, okay. in that, you know, just in the storytelling as a writer, mm -hmm. you know, he would challenge you to be as visual as possible and to conjure up that, that imagery, you know what I'm saying? Um, to make you see and feel and smell. A, a thing or, but to or, smell something like you're a six-year-old yeah. six-year-old self yeah that's deep and yeah. to be able to describe that on paper yeah yeah i guess it is <laughs> so I, I have a question so i'm writing a tell-all book right now actually about <laughs> about the two of you do you have any advice for somebody who wants to no i'm just kidding yeah yeah but um and when's the uh the rematch, the fight rematch. I think the audience wants to know that. <laughs> it's all been love It'll and hugs. It'll be a cook-off yeah, now. Yeah. It's going to be a cook-off. It's off. all good with love and hugs, but we want to know when the when the rematch is. Yeah, whatever. Nah, nah. I mean, what are you allowed to talk about as far as Black No More is concerned? Because Oh, yeah, I could, we could talk about it. It's anything. so weird. Like, when you started Black No More, Obama was president. So sort of in that um, House of Cards way, mm -hmm. like, you clearly knew it was going to be a satire because, you know, yeah. it's never going to get that crazy. And, and then when Trump, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then suddenly, once Trump was president, then it was like, oh, this is relevant to mm -hmm. times now. So yeah. at one point, it was an extreme satire, and then it right. became reality. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, um, I mean, at this point, it's um, it's not as far fetched as it was or as it felt, you know, um, you know, before the Trump and Biden uh, administrations. You know what I mean? This was originally slated to, um, you know, to open off Broadway um, during the Trump uh, elections. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's some, you know, rejiggering that, you know, I mean, needs to take place. There's, you know, very much that. And we need to sort of be re revisited, but just, you know, for for the fact that, uh, you know, what felt so dynamically sensational, you know, six years ago, eight years ago, um, no longer feels that way. It's like that has been our reality and worse. You know what I mean? So much <laughs> off the wall shit has happened. Yeah. yeah the, for those who don't know, the uh, uh, Black No More is a book written by George Schuyler. Yep. I think in like, it was like one of the first Afrofuturist books yeah, written in the 30s. came out in 1932. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he basically uh, it's it's a, it's a satire about a black man who changes his skin color, falls in love with a white woman, and now she's pregnant. Right, and which, she will eventually find out that she's which been this the, that that's that's a show that was on Bravo last night. Right, you know what I mean. <laughs> right. So For it's real. like you know how do Bravo. we? How does he know because he watches Bravo? <laughs> Funny. <laughs> <laughs> we got to so yeah yeah we got to we got to sort of punch it up a little bit I think just to make it more you know as far fetched yeah. as, it, as it felt uh, you know at its onset. Actually, you are one of the most random TV watching people I know. Like, <laughs> what are you watching and how do you pick? Because you and Jimmy will talk about the most random. You'll discover shit on right. QB or whatever like yeah. Tubby, 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 Tubby. Yeah, yeah. I was like, who QB? Well, QB was a that was Quibby. That Quibby, was, right? Yeah, right. Quibby was, yeah that was yeah, the shit that lasted like ten minutes. Yeah, like what mindless shit do you watch, or like what's what shows are you? Right, right, right now I'm watching. Um, I 
I'm watching, uh, you know, Bass, Bass, Re- Lawman oh, Bass Reeves. Catch up, yeah. You know what I'm saying? What is that? Lawman Bass Reeves is uh is about this uh, U.S. Marshal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. First, the first black Bush U.S. Marshal. Really, it's the character. It's the real life person that the Lone Ranger character was based on. You know what I mean? Which was based on a black person? Yeah, the Lone Ranger was based on a black person, but you know, you, they weren't gonna have. Right. You know I mean, they like, yo, let's make it a black, a white man, and put a mask on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the mask right. is black. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Baz Reeves, uh, you know, is this dope show that I've been watching recently? It's in the Yellowstone um, family. Yeah, it's in the Yellowstone family, and all is things, Yellowstone worth it? Yes, it is. Yes. This is what else I was gonna say. Come on, anything now, Yellowstone? Come on, that's what I'm rocking with. Like 1923, 1883. That's like all my shit. Those level, like, like I must uh, watch it. Well. Different, different, different. You know what I mean? I think I, I, I'm always excited when somebody could get period right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they got period right. You know what I mean? Every time. So um, and also the inclusion of the indigenous culture and just giving us more yeah, context that, and well, letting them be human that's beings. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah, they, like they that got it right. Like, uh, so um, because I'll go on Apple TV and just see Yellowstone, Yellowstone, Yellowstone. Right. Like, watch yeah, it. Fuck this. Watch nah. it. It's a good show. I'm, wa- I'm watching okay. that. I'm watching that now. Um, Bass Reeves, Lawman. I mean Lawman Bass Reeves. I'm also watching, well, yeah, The Gilded Age. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, have you seen uh, Fl- Killers of the Flower Moon yet? No. I haven't, yeah, okay. yeah, I haven't I watched did. that yet. But um, Fargo, the new season of Fargo. It's I'm on the net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's One like four, four episodes in. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? And I've been, uh, I keep coming back to just because it's like I can never, even though it's only three episodes, I think they're like an hour and a half long each. Um, the American Buffalo documentary, Kim Burns, which is, you know, it's not just about the buffalo, you know what I mean? It's really about America, and you talk about indigenous people, and I'm just a history buff in that way. So um, I've been rocking with that. I found out that it was out because Celia came home, and she was like, oh, we, they made us watch this documentary today in school. I'm sure you would be into it. I was like, I was like what is it? I don't know what the fuck I'd be into. Like, what is it? She was like, it was about yes, the American buffalo. I was like, oh, like, yo, really? that's me, yeah. Do tell. <laughs> I couldn't find out. It was Kim Burns, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, you know, hell yeah. So I've been watching that only because um, I have to watch a Kim Burns documentary maybe like five, six times to, you know, take in all the information. You fuck with rap shit on uh, HBO? Yeah. I I watched the first season. Second season is better. I mean, the first season is good, but the second yeah. season is is good. I have, I have, I haven't seen. Sex, Every sex father's season impression yet. of their teenage daughter is exactly the same because I do oh, the same. Yeah. Like, I don't know this. Like, Fuck you. You don't right. know anything. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. do, do your kids like? Are they aware? Are you dad? Are you? Or are they like? Do you catch them listening to your music or? Um. Yeah. You know. Um. Is I catch, it too wordy for them. No. No. I catch Amir listening to my music. Um, you know, he he does his little playlist and stuff, and sometimes even his playlist of other music that he's listening to in the shower and all that. Um, you know, it's dope to see that he somehow found music that I was listening to when I was in my twenties too, without me having to say, "Let me t- put you on to it." Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, and Celia, you know, does the same thing. You know, what I mean, she listens to my music. Um, she's Tari- a hip hop head. She is a little bit. You know, what I mean, yeah, she's becoming a hip hop head. But um, Tariq. He's never been into any of my music. The only root song, roots thing that Tariq has really that has resonated with him, not our Disney Junior stuff, as which you would think. Right. It's the um the blackish. Thing. I was about to ask oh, the, the Juneteenth Blackish thing. Oh, okay. That's you know, uh, and that put him on to the whole schoolhouse rock world. And he started listening to the original I'm Just a Bill and all the original schoolhouse rock shit. And then the new schoolhouse rock shit. And then the new new schoolhouse rock shit. All just from 
our new, new. yeah from our uh, blackish segment. Okay. So um, there's that, you know what I'm saying? But what he's up on and what I'm still trying to dissect, um, because the, it played out the same way with Kamal's kids who were like, you know, two and six or two and eight. Mm-hmm. No, Tariq is eight. Maybe t- Kamal's kids, the youngest kids are two and six. Mm-hmm. They all know every word the mama said, knock you out. And they've wow. owned, they they saw LL perform it the couple times that they came to the shows with us. But for some reason, this is the first rap song Therese known all the lyrics to. Kamal's little baby, you know what I mean? Like, Cash, like they all. This is they know all of the from "Don't Call It a Cut." And I'm like, that's what I need to tap into. Damn. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, yo, they don't be my my, my son. But we talked about I've that. Never when seen was on the show. None yeah. of my children have ever sang one of my joints <laughs> the way Tariq sings. Don't call it a comeback. I'm like, yo, like how the fuck? I mean, you make you know physical saying? movements in the right, song. Yeah. Right. So yeah, there's definitely yeah. something in that. That uh, resonates with channel. kids, and that's what yeah, and that's why I told you I was like, yo, we need to use that joint that we wind oh, up. Not. I yes. was like, yo, because yes. it might be something in that, and I don't know if it's yeah. the music or the lyrics or the marriage. I but shall return to yeah, that. yeah. My my okay, so you know we redid Mama for the NBA uh, uh, mid season mid season tournament. Okay, thing. okay, and the my initial idea. I knew they wanted Mama Said Knock You Out, but also LL is kind of in this place where it's like, yo, man, I'm not a legacy act, like mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But, you know, the people that write the checks are like, nah, man, we just just do your song from 1990, please, and take this check. <laughs> so I was like, all right, let me find a happy meeting. So I actually did something dope where I reversed, because I'm also working on the Sly movie. Right, right. I have access to the masters. So I was like, all right, let me reverse the song and... You know, like what uh, uh, Terminator X to the Edge of Panic was to Rebel Without a Pause, mm-hmm. like the sirens going backwards. Right, right. So I did a backwards version of that shit, and it sounds dope as shit. And even LL was like, uh, let's let's not give this to them. Like, let's, let's do so, <laughs> Even LL was like, God, it's great. Right. <laughs> so, but in terms of Ruzel, I mean, because I, I mean, we see you working, you know what I mean? You, you know, been dropping projects left and right. In terms of, you know, a Roots record, now that Rich is no longer here in that role, who is in that role for y'all? Scariest thing in my life. Yeah, there is, you know, I don't know that there's anyone in that role. Um, well, I yeah, think, or do y'all need I think, someone? I think, no. I, Tariq I, I, and I have to be in that yeah, role. Yeah, yeah, we've we've had to extend ourselves, um, not necessarily overextend, but we've had to extend ourselves in order to fill in that gap, you know, um, because Sean, though he is, um, he's, an, he's an innovative He's not necessarily a creative, you know what I mean? Um, he's a business mind. He's an innovative mind. He's not a creative. And that was the the beauty of the balance between him and Rich was like, you know what I mean, hot and cold, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so there's that. But I think um, in, in terms of an album being done, I think we got plenty of material. I think it's just going to boil down to, you know, Amir and I being excited enough in any moment to to do the mixes is necessary to say, all right, this is the 10 songs or 12 songs mm-hmm. or however many that are going to be out. But we got enough joints, you know? We have more than enough. I just, for me, once a week, I get excited about something else and then I'll replace it and replace it and replace it. But see, that's the problem because really, wouldn't Rich be the one to come in and be like, motherfucker, put that Rich shit is the out? King. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is like the In Your Dreams thing. The In, in Your Dreams thing got shelved because it was just like, look, we got to wrap up Do You Want More? Yeah. We're not going to get this shit done in time. So that's the one thing I don't have, which is like, all right, no more new songs. There's, there's, there's value in our procrastination in that, um, you know, once we put out anything, then it's out, right? Right now, the, the bar is, is where the bar is. 
um, what the Roots brand means to people is what it means. Um, so yeah, I think there's something in that. I think the uh, the whole what makes the Roots the Roots is the fact that we've always you know thought and then overthought right <laughs> in the process. So I think now. Um, the idea is to pull it back a little bit. We don't need to overthink, but I think we still need to be as considerate yeah. in the process as we, you know, have Where? in the past because that's that's the difference. When people say, yo, what's the difference in me, in the roots, and me on somebody else's shit? It's like, I'm just going to pull up and I'm going to almost go with the first thing that comes to my mind. That's why Streams of Thought is called Streams of Thought because it's like, it's as close to freestyle as, you know what I mean? I'm just letting the, it's the first thing that I think of, mm -hmm. which, you know, and many times is dope and, you know, it's witty and funny, but it's not what we do in the roots it's not rich challenging me to you know Be write something character. that's gonna fucking <laughs> right. you know resonate just reading it off the page that's not what i have to do if i'm in the studio with ninth or salam or yeah. sean c and that's part of um you know that's what informs it and makes it it's a dope exercise because it's not as um I, it's not something that i won't say i don't take it as serious but um it's just a different process i understand you know I what i mean it's a different mean. process you know so um i mean i think in that like you know the roots album especially for based on what dictates uh, enough material to be an album in this day and time? We've got multiple roots, new roots albums done. What do you feel like y'all, or, or do you feel like uh, y'all have anything to prove on the album front? Like, what would be the so the one thing that has occurred to me? And then you shoot your cousin came out in 2014, so we're going on the tenth year, and I probably have done twenty thousand hours of DJing. Now the DJing that I've done post-2014 is different than the DJ and I've done pre-2014 in which, you know, uh, jams are far and few between. Um, and I'm the kind of guy that unless, like, I'm doing a gold party or, like, it's a high-pressure situation where it's like, all right, well, Drake's here, so let me play some trap, like, the shit he knows. Um, I'm always the guy that, like, I, I now know how to read my audience in a way that I didn't before. Whereas before I was obsessed with letting you know, yeah, I got that Japanese Unreleased, Prince bootlegs yeah, that yeah. you don't got. And you know, I'm not looking at the floor clearing and none of that shit. <laughs> I'm so I'm so hyper aware of what works and what doesn't work as a DJ that now as a creator It's starting to bleed into it. I can't divorce myself from it. Yeah. So now I'm thinking of like, is this the right BPMs? Where's the melody at? What should we talk about? Like things I never thought about before. Like, will this resonate with the audience? In, in recent years, you know, like when Amir gives me a, a beat or like an idea for a composition, um, he does a whole separate track now of just like a guide track of him <laughs> saying, okay, like, you know, the, the okay, the verse can start here. You can talk about this here. And then, okay, like here you can do something. Like, it was like now, I'm like, nigga, just write the rhyme. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's definitely, um, you know, uh, just paying attention to a lot more. Uh, of the detail yeah. with, with anything that you submit. Right. I think that's a good thing. I mean, I, I yeah, think it's a beautiful yeah. thing, yeah, because yeah. you have new information now. Yes, I'll be calling you Fonte. That's your bottom joint. Oh, I mean, okay. But I was soon as I concentrate. But also, the, like, the, the movie was unexpected. Like, you know, the movie was a thing that, oh, let me just pass the time in the pandemic. And now it's like, Oh God! Now I got two careers. Right. right. <laughs> so both of y'all, y'all schedules are crazy between yeah. the both of y'all. Okay, yeah. so I'm trying to think of things that like the internet always wanted to know. I'm not asking any masterpiece theater questions because it's like, dude, he's done like so many solo <laughs> records. But what I will ask is, what five MCs that are least expected for us to know you dig? 
because the second time we talked about rap shit, he sold me on turn this mother out. Right. And I'm like, Hammer? And I, yeah. I joked, I joked once on what had happened was that I'm almost certain that our love of Apache or rhyming over Apache had more to do with turn this mother out than it did men at work. But Tariq is the, like uh, instantly Tariq sold me on it. Yo, you know about NWA? And I'm like, dude, they got Jerry Curls. I ain't listening to shit. <laughs> and he's like, but listen to this. And then he played me Turn This Mother Out. I'm like, you like MC Hammer? <laughs> I didn't, I, I thought like Greg Nice was corny. And he's like, Whoa. no, man. But that's the thing. Like, Tariq has a way of listening to anything. Like, I go on the tour bus and listen to Eight Ball and MJG. Hell yeah. I was Coming like, I will hard. never listen to Pastor Choi in this lifetime. And then right. suddenly, like, I'm Pastor Choi's number one fan. <laughs> so it's like Tariq's put me on to so much unorthodox things that normally my snobby East Coast yeah. era ass, like, what, what MCs are, like, your under-championed, non-obvious ones? Non-Kane, non... Um, like, of, from back in the day? Or well, just current. period. Yeah, current. Um, yeah. Well. You know, I think Special Ed is an unsung, you know, um, hero mm -hmm. in that, you know, his album, The Youngest in Charge, you just talk about just the power of, of youthful expression. And he was, Special Ed was 14 years old. I look at my kids at 14, it's like, you know, I am, um, when it's like, if I'm in a moment where I have to just rap a rap, I'm gonna pull from, you know, anywhere. I rap from anybody's catalog, shit that you don't even remember you wrote. But <laughs> one of the, you know, rhymes that I often do is, you know, uh, I was proven effective by a clinical test because some couldn't come to believe I'm the best. So they tested me and now they in the clinic, they almost arrested me because, because I did, did it. it. But I didn't mean to do it. You had to mess with me and then you blew it. Now you gotta chew it, swallow it all. I guess that's the way that you bounce a ball. ball. Like this is a 14 year old wrote that and that's a that's timeless. Like I can, you know, depend, no matter what the, 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 the sound bed is, the music that I put it over, like those bars will forever like reign poetic and you know what I mean you like bring something up and folks that hear it um Legal was my one you wish you could that was my one. oh yeah that was That's another I mean one, special like. that was just super dope so I think he's he's one of those ones I think you know cool Keith you know what I mean for the whole I think <laughs> cool Keith man shit I mean he was like you know the Thelonious Monk of this shit in that you know what I mean his shit didn't even have to rhyme yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it be they they were ahead him and said like Ultramagnetic mm -hmm. MCs were ahead of their time um in so many ways. So yeah, I think you know Cool Keith is another one. Greg Nice, you know what I mean? He's I think um just geniuses that I was able to recognize and latch on to in that it's something from their body of work that I've extracted that, you know, I mean, I still these these are, I kicked all it all all of the above. I kicked their bars every day like it the shit just came out. Is there anybody <laughs> currently if we was to ask that? Yeah, question? absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I rock with, I saw uh, you in uh, at the Roots uh, with the Force Tour. You was rocking Makami in the yeah, um, yeah, Mock, yeah, that's yeah, that's Mach, my ace. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was in the um, studio with us just the other night. Okay. Mock, um, you know, yeah, I think he's one of those ones. You know, someone who again um, understands just a sensibility of you know a person who's been around since the '90s, yeah. but who's also 
um, in just some ways just feels, you know, still cutting edge, right? Uh, um, and I think his association with the whole Griselda family and that movement, um, but the way that he's distinctly, uh, you know, different is huge too. You know what I mean? I saw you did, uh, we were on the same album, uh, Your Old Drew. Yeah, that's, it, who, Man, that's the Drew. second person I was about to name. Man, that's... Yeah, and Your Old Drew is, is actually, he's my connection to Makami. But he's another one. You know, um, when Your Old Drew came out, um, I didn't rock with it because I felt like... I thought it was Nas. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought, I thought his Nas. voice, I thought he sounded too much like Nas and I'm not, you know, I'm huge on... You know, just you know, being being original. You know yeah. what I mean? And I was like, nah, you know, I'm not rocking with that shit. Like, you know, I think it was hoodie season or one of those first mm-hmm. joints. You know, um, but I met him on the road opening up for uh, Royce and, and Premier when they were doing their prime tour, and um, and we sort of hit it off. And you know what I mean? I've been, you know, I talk about mentorship and you know, just artists that we share demos with one another, and I'm able to just you know offer sage wisdom, and they're not gonna catch feelings if I say <laughs> I don't like this one and I like that one. He's been one of those. artists. Artists. And um, over time, you know, I was trying to get at Mock and he, I, he was non-responsive until Drew put us on the same song and then, you know, like sort of connected us, you know what I mean? And now, yeah, you know, he and I, me and Mock be rocking. But um, yeah, your old Drew, he's another one, man. He's uh, just super dope. And, uh, um, you know, I had, to, I had to give it up, you know what I'm saying? Because he proved that he was a real deal. I need everybody to realize who hasn't read this book that we probably only covered about two to three of his talents. Now, <laughs> in this book, there is history that gives you history on his gourmet cooking talents, because yes, he's a gourmet chef. There's history to his visual arts talents, mm. because that's what he went to school for. There's also history- Singing talents, yeah, come, the singing, the singing. I was singing, just about yeah. to say this, the man sang in the choir, and I was shocked. I was like, but I, I just, uh, I sorry. Mean, listen, I, 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 I can sing, Fonte can sing. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But I just, I just wanted to throw that out there as we are, you know, wrapping this up and I just feel like it's just well, so as much. most people say read the book but nah man I, I just want to say man before we go dude you have really been you know what I'm saying I mean first is even say that you felt threatened I mean that's just the craziest shit ever because <laughs> when I got that call I was nigga I was jumping off the damn wall I was like what like I'm yeah, yeah. hell yeah so um but nah man you've been one of the people that I watch just and has been an example of how to age in hip hop, yeah, like how and, and to, how to do it gracefully and tastefully, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. So my question for you was, who or did you have anyone as an example to say, okay, this is what hip hop looks like at forty or fifty? Like this is a model. Did you have that? Um, I mean, you know, not that I, I didn't. I, I mean, yes, I did have that, but I don't know that I was as aware of it or just tapped into the example as it was being set. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I look at people like you know the LL Cool J's of the world, and even though it's been a long time, you know, what I mean, since he's done a tour, right? You know, what I mean, um, just the example of the, being one of the earliest like multi hyphenates, right? You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, just the the whole polymath of it all, like with the example that him and Ice T. Yeah. You know, like set, um, yeah, as far as like reinvention, I think was dope. And I think, you know, just, um, you know, the example of being a class act, you know what I mean, is what resonated with me like the most with artists. Like, you know, the reason LL is around and still matters and, you know, um, like people care you know, about all these other endeavors, what it is that he's doing is um, because he's personable. And he's, you know, he's nice to folks and, you know, he, you know, is conscious about leaving a place or a person or a thing better than he sort of found it. And I, I learned that the first time I inducted, like we inducted 
I, I, maybe I've inducted LL into like three, you know what I mean, national <laughs> right, right. archives at this at this time. But the, but the first time I did it, it was me and Eminem and Jazzy Jeff, and it was like the hip hop honors thing. Yeah. And um, he called me the next day. I'm like, he found my number, you know what I mean? Boom, I'm on. You know, they called me. Yo, Tariq's my on the phone for you. Yo. Hello, cool me. Jack. I'm like, yo, he's like, yeah, B, I just want to thank you for, you know what I'm saying? Not like, yo, yeah, the way you represented B last night, yo, it's huge. It's crazy, man. You know what I'm saying? Crazy. It's huge. We're like, yo, um, but it's those, it's those, um, you know, LL is going to call you. LL is going to send you a handwritten thank you note. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, you know, sent LL a DM jokingly, like, yo, I see everybody, you know, doing these boom box, unboxing they, you know, uh, uh, rock the bells jackets, where my joint at? Like, you know, shit, 72 hours later. Wow. Uh, this is from Melo Cool J, you know what I mean? Wow. I got my jacket. And, Wait you know, a minute, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just you like, uh, shit. what the fuck? Know, Send that message. Uh, yeah, man. I got a rock. Hit him in the DM. I think, I think, you know, <laughs> that, that in, is, is an example of how to, you know, to age, to grow to evolve gracefully in this game. I think another dope example um, has been set by Dana, like Queen Latifah. Oh, you man. You know what I'm saying? 100%. Just, you know, and these 100%. are people who, like, what they do, the challenges that they're able to continue to rise to is what gives me reassurance, like, yo, I probably could do all this shit. I've, you know, out of all the people that I know, right, I've never known anyone in my circle or even remotely, you know, distantly connected to my circle that has never given up on a thing and didn't, you know, Make it, you know what I'm saying? It's like everybody that I know who shit didn't work, who you know what I mean, fell off the rails. They gave, they gave up. Quit, yeah. They quit. Niggas who I, I know, I know a bunch of people who didn't quit, and they've all gone on to greatness. You know, so I think there's something in that, and um, yeah, I try to, uh, you know, just be more cognizant of those examples again, like when they're being set, because um, you know, a lot of the shit is a blur. Nah, man. Look, I, I, I will say without being as as mushy as possible, and this, 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 and this is real maturity right here. Well, Tariq. <laughs> you know, no one ever gets that reference. In my, no, 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 no. Here's the deal. In, in my first book, when they were like, all right, do a dedication. In Mo Be Mo Better Blues. In Mo Better, right. right, right. And there was like, do a dedication. And I was like, I just want to say, well, Tariq. And that's it. And, you know, the publisher's like, well, ellipsis after it? I said, he's going to get he's it. Mm -hmm. He's going to understand it. No, like, well, Tariq was always, and the way that manifesting works is whenever we would, like, t take the trains back from, like, busking or whatever, like, we would have a, a, a ritual of, like, getting famous Amos cookies, getting <laughs> orange juice, and either watching Do the Right Thing or Cape Fear. And as we're walking home, like two in the morning, very related films. Nigga, them the two movies. Yeah, it's like you got, as one does, you watch one or the other. Like, come on, yo. I'm with it. I just did see it. We didn't have all. streaming, but we have options now. We didn't yeah. have that back then. <laughs> you know, and the thing was, I do some sillies with like, well, Tariq, man, we just did like two months in Europe straight. That, I, but I'm saying shit as if it would never going to happen to right, us in right, a lifetime. Right. Yeah. Like, damn, Tariq, we just played in front of like. 12,000 people at the Philadelphia Spectrum, man, and yeah, yeah. we're only home for like three hours before we got to get up at four in the morning and catch this flight to like Colorado. We'd be laughing like, ah, man, like this, whatever, and not knowing that we're literally Speaking manifesting. Speaking into existence, yeah. So I would always start some shit with, well, Tariq. Uh, and I'll, I'll just simply say, thank you. Yeah. And th that's a very loaded thank you. Without being super mushy about it, and I'm a mushy person. That's enough. Yeah. Good. 
Just fight again. On behalf of Sugar Steven, Unpaid Bill, and, and Fontigolo, nah, love you, bro. and Mama, Mama over real. here, <laughs> thank you. Thank y'all for having me. The great Tariq Tirada on Course Love Supreme. You guys can stop asking me. This is a week's episode. <laughs> See you on the next go-round, y'all. Thank you. This is Sugar Steve. Thank you for listening to Questlove Supreme. This podcast is hosted by Amir Questlove Thompson, Laia St. Clair, Fonte Coleman, Sugar Steve Mandel, and unpaid Bill Sherman. Executive producers are Amir Questlove Thompson, Sean G., and Brian Calhoun. Produced by Brittany Benjamin, Jake Payne, and Laia St. Clair. Edited by Alex Conroy. Produced for iHeart by Noel Brown and Mike Johns. What's Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.